Welcome to Sports Beat KC, the Kansas City Stars Daily Sports Podcast. It's Tuesday, March 7th, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. It's Big 12 Tournament Week, and what fun it should be. The men start on Wednesday at T-Mobile Center, the women Thursday at Municipal Auditorium. On the men's side, Kansas is the top seed, Texas is number two, Kansas State third. I think at least seven teams will make the NCAA field with an eighth. Oklahoma State looking to fight its way in. It should be a fantastic event. The Big 12 is easily the nation's top-rated conference and could have four of its teams as top four seeds in the NCAA. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. The tournament this week will be the best in college basketball. On today's show, beat writer Kellis Robinette is here to break down the games and to look ahead to what's next. Okay, let's get started. It's Big 12 tournament week. And for the men and the women, the women are at Municipal Auditorium. The men are at T-Mobile Center. They'll both be in T-Mobile Center next year. So it'll be like a bacchanalia of basketball, Big 12 basketball, in in the for the 2024 tournament. But Kellis Robinette is here. We're going to break down K-State and the Big 12. Um, Kellis, I don't know about you. I, I always look forward to the Big 12 tournament. Every year, without a doubt, whether it was at Kemper Arena or in Dallas or Oklahoma City or Sprint Center, now T-Mobile Center, I've always looked forward to the Big 12 tournament. My anticipation level's uh, pretty high this time, for sure. Um, how do you feel about the event coming up in Kansas City? I'm with you. I don't know that I've ever been more fired up to see what happens in a tournament uh, in Kansas City. I can't remember a bracket ever being this wide open. Um, I mean, you look at those Wednesday games, typically those first rounders are just, you know, total snooze fest, no implications. You don't want to even watch them. But this year, you got West Virginia, Texas Tech in one matchup, and then Bedlam in the other. I mean, you've got some serious firepower in those games. West Virginia, by some analytics sites, is top 25 in the country. Oklahoma, yeah, they're bringing up the rear in the conference, but some of their wins, I mean, Yowza, they beat Alabama by a million points. They just smoked TCU. Um, Oklahoma State's fighting for a spot on the on the NCAA tournament bubble, and then you get into the quarters, and everybody's good. So this is going to be, I mean, you can call it a war, and I don't think that's an exaggeration. This is going to be a real slugfest to see who can make it to the final and and hoist a trophy. Unlike unlike some years where I think it's pretty clearly been the KU basketball invitational, um, maybe they still win it, but I think things are going to be much more interesting this season. I like on the first night that you've got maybe two NCAA tournament teams playing on, you know, in, mm-hmm. in I think West Virginia is definitely in. And I think if Oklahoma State beat up, beats Oklahoma, the, the Cowboys nudge a little closer to getting off the bubble. Maybe they're a team for the first four in Dayton now, but um, if they're in at all, but that's, it's entirely possible for the big 12 to have two NCAA tournament teams playing in its opening round. That is, that's amazing stuff. One thing I like about, I've always liked about it, since the league has been a, a, a 10 team conference and you've got the two games on the first day, of course, this will be the last year for that. But one thing I've always liked about it is the crowds show up for those games. And, and often the teams that are playing are not Kansas. Kansas State's been in it, but but not every year. And Iowa State, usually not. KU, never. Um, so the local draws don't usually play in that game, but their fans turn out for these games. And you'll have, you know, you'll have 15,000 people at T-Mobile Center watching, you know, a, a games that, uh, you know, for teams that they, they don't, they weren't here to see. So, automatically right off the bat you get the best atmosphere 
for uh, games against, you know, eight versus nine and seven versus 10. And I think that's always distinguished the, uh, the, the big 12 from other conferences, you know, listen, ACC, SEC, if Kentucky's in the final, um, Big East, you'll get, you know, sellout crowds or full houses for your championship game often. You always get it in the Big 12. But also in the Big 12, you get big crowds for every session, including that first one. I've always thought that to be a pretty cool thing. Yeah, uh, I think that definitely distinguishes the Big 12 from other conferences. It's the one tournament where you can tune in to any game and you're not just going to see droves of open seats like Today, the ACC opens uh, their tournament. They've got games like Georgia Tech, Florida State, Boston College, Louisville. They're not going to be anybody, you know, in the stands for those games. So it's just a little bit different here. And, um, yeah, that makes it cool. One thing I, I've, I've always wondered, has this ever happened where no team with any local ties made the title? No Iowa State, no KU, no K-State? Well, in the um... – Couple years ago, in the empty arena tournament, the right? COVID season, right? The COVID season, you had Texas beating Oklahoma State in the final. Uh, but you make a good point, and I've always wondered that if you had two, you know, Baylor for some reason has never won a Big Twelve tournament. So if you had Baylor playing Texas in the final here, mm. what kind of crowd would it draw? You have to go all the way back to when the tournament was at Kemper, uh, when you had Oklahoma State play Texas Tech. In the championship game, I think that was 2004, um, big marquee coaching matchup. You had Eddie Sutton against Bob Knight uh, in, in a co- real, right. couple of Hall of Famers going after each other. Um, but Kemper was about half full for that. And uh, and I thought that's 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 not bad. Um, not bad at all. Half filled for, you know, Texas Tech, which didn't really have any fans here. And Oklahoma State probably accounted for 80 percent of the. Uh, of the attendance that day. So, uh, but since then, there's always been uh, Kansas or Iowa State or Missouri or Kansas State in the final to, you know, to to really charge the arena. And listen, because of all the all the parity, if, if that's what you want to call it, but and maybe not parity, but a lot of teams with a chance to to be in the final or to win this thing. This may be the year that. Uh, none of our teams is in it, right? Look, Kansas has looked, you know, they, they look pretty bad actually on, on Saturday down at Texas. Tough place to win, obviously. Texas is the two seed in the tournament, but um, but they got to play West Virginia in the first game. And West Virginia gave them all they wanted at Allen Fieldhouse last week. Um, Kansas State plays TCU, I think, for the 100th straight tournament. Um, it, it, TCU entirely capable of winning that game, um, and and Iowa State until they had the great win over Baylor in the uh, in the regular season finale, they had lost four in a row. So, I think there is a chance to have a championship game this year without one of our locals. Definitely, and the weirdest thing about this conference is just when you think you've got one team figured out, either you think they're 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 a corpse, leave them for dead. They turn around and do what Baylor and Oklahoma State did over the weekend and go on the road and just trounce somebody. Like who who saw who saw Iowa State coming off all those losses, going to Baylor and just smacking them around? Not me. Not me. Um, and then you got a team like Kansas who wins all these games in a row, and you think, okay, you know, now, now they're unbeatable, and then they go and get lose by 15 plus to Texas. So that just goes to show you, you can't really base, you know, past results on anything here. Uh, the one thing I have looked up is that uh, there there aren't there are a few teams that have not won at least three or four games uh, in a row in conference play. And that would be 
Uh, West Virginia has not done it. Oklahoma has not done it. And TCU actually has not done it. Their longest winning streak in conference play of the season was two. Maybe give them a little bit of a break because they didn't have Mike Miles and Eddie Lampkin for a lot of those games. But if you're looking for anybody to cross off the list, you know, teams that just can't win it, you maybe start there. But everybody else, you know, it's it's going to be wild. And, and West Virginia playing well. I mean, they've beaten, obviously, the, the win over K-State on Saturday. And like I said, played – <clears throat> played uh, KU tough the previous Saturday. I think the Mountaineers have played their way into the bracket. Uh, I think they've gone from off the bracket to into the bracket. And I, I think they're safely in as good, maybe as high as an eight playing in the eight, nine game. And um, the way Eric Stevenson's playing um, th- there are, he was big 12 player and newcomer of the week this, this week. That's how good that guy has been. Um, but, uh, and you mentioned Iowa state, that was the first game they played. Was it the first, but they played without Caleb grill who, who they threw off the team guy, terrific uh, three point shooter. And, um, and he didn't play against Baylor and all Iowa state did was like you said, go down and smack Baylor and Waco. And, um, you're right. It's just, listen, maybe if, if you had said <clears throat> before the conference play started that Kansas was going to win it, Texas would be second. Um, uh, Kate, well, nobody would have had K state third, I don't think, but, uh, uh, you might've figured out, okay. You might've nodded your head and said, yeah, that, that makes sense. But the way it went, the way it happened was, you know, really, really interesting. Um, let's see, you mentioned KU lost three in a row at one point this year. Looked vulnerable more than once uh, this this year. K State had to, had that really tough stretch, and I thought, boy, are they going to dig out of this? That's when Keontae Johnson was not playing well. We all thought he was just a little tired, and 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 you know, and understandably so from not playing each of the last couple of years. But he seemed to caught has caught his breath and. Um, and, and, and K-State played well down the stretch. So a lot of uh, just so interesting, a lot of good storylines in, in the Big 12 tournament. Let's talk about uh, who's in and what kind of seeds they might have. I don't know who is uh, who has the most on the line or who's playing for the for the for the most the highest stakes. Maybe Oklahoma State is just to get in the tournament. Um, but in terms of seeding lines. What 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 are you seeing projection wise, and what do you sense of you know? Let's start with KU and K State. What uh, um, what, what's your sense of where those guys are going to be seated? Well, Kansas, I think, is locked into a one seed. Even if they go out against West Virginia or Texas Tech, um, seems like you're advancing West Virginia right along uh, to that quarterfinal game. I'll still give Texas Tech a chance. I think getting Mark Adams out of there. Um, I think maybe might have the same kind of Caleb Grill effect we saw at Iowa State. Maybe they come out and play more inspired basketball. That's a good I'm not, point. That's, I'm not that's writing that off point. as an auto win for West Virginia. It might be. It might be. I mean, they might come out and just absolutely stink. Um, but you always got to be wary. You've seen a lot of times, especially in football, this last year, team gets rid of their coach and all of a sudden they come out in that next game and they're unbeatable. So uh, I think that it just adds some extra intrigue to those Wednesday night games. But anyway, Kansas, I think even if they lose that game, I don't see them falling off the one seed line. They have too many quad one wins. The question with them is, um, you know, which number one seed do they get and where do they go in terms of a regional? KU fans are going to be screaming that they want uh, the Midwest so they can just stay at T-Mobile and keep playing in Kansas City. I don't know how much that actually helps the Jayhawks in the long run. Um, I think historically uh, they've played just fine away from Kansas City. The last time we saw them play a regional in T-Mobile, it didn't help them at all. So I don't know that's a big deal for the players. It's a huge deal for fans. If they win the tournament, um, you know, can they get past Houston and get that spot? Maybe so that if you're looking to play for anything, that's what you'd say it would be. Um, Kansas State, 
they're a little bit more wide open. I think right now they're probably looking at a three seed. If they advance far in this tournament, maybe they can get up to a two. If they lose early, maybe they fall down to a four. I don't see them going to a five. Um, and the uh, extra intrigue for them would be if they can hold off some other teams that are right behind them, they could end up in Des Moines with Kansas. They could end up in Denver, which are two sites that their fans could drive to, which you would obviously love um, just from a fan support um, standpoint. If that doesn't happen, then you're looking at maybe getting shift up to Orlando or Columbus, uh, maybe Albany uh, for games. <laughs> yeah, no. I've, I've covered um, a regional in Albany. It is absolutely yeah. uh, okay. Uh, all right. Well, let's let's hope not for that then. Avoid um, that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that that was that is what is on the line for them. Um, and then you know elsewhere, you know Texas, they're probably a two seed. Iowa State. You know, maybe I think they're probably too far back, but their dream would be win the tournament and then they get Des Moines instead of Kansas State or one of these other teams. But again, I I don't know. They're, they've fallen so far down with that losing streak they had. I don't know if that's on the table, but if it is, they're going to have to win the tournament. Um, Oklahoma State, I think, is probably playing for the most because if they can win one or two games, they got a shot at getting into the big dance. If they don't, I, I don't see them advancing with a loss against Oklahoma. I, I just don't see it happening. Um, West Virginia, I think, is in. Tech has got to win the whole thing. OU has got to win the whole thing. That's what I'm looking at. Okay. Um, I, I'd say the only way – the worst-case scenario for Kansas is they lose the quarterfinal to either West Virginia or Texas Tech and then have Alabama, Houston, Purdue, and UCLA win their conference tournaments. I think if that happens, uh, the committee could look at uh, dropping Kansas to a two-seed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hey, this is Blair. There are several ways to access the Star Sports section. Let me tell you about a couple of them. There is Sports Pass. For $12.99 a month, you get unlimited digital access to all of the Star Sports content, including beat writing, columns, features, pretty much everything we write. The deal renews monthly until you tell us to cancel. For $159.99 a year, you get everything the Star has to offer digitally, including sports and the e-edition. Go to KansasCity.com and drop down to the bottom of the page where it says start a subscription for more information. Your support has never been more important. As always, thanks for reading and listening. We're back with Kellis Robinette on Sportsbeat KC talking Big 12 tournament. And Kellis is actually in Manhattan while I'm in Kansas City. And this must be uh, emergency weather testing day because... Kellis heard uh, sirens uh, at, at his house. And is it, Kellis, as you look out the window, is there any threatening weather? No, no. Uh, maybe a little overcast. Definitely no tornadoes coming. I'm in downtown Kansas City, and uh, it is after an overcast morning, it is bright, sunshiny here. So it must have just been test, um, and, uh, but we're through it. So if you heard a little bit of, uh, a little bit of ambient noise, before the break, that's uh, that's what it was. I was trying to talk over it actually, and um, but here we are. <laughs> so we're we're back. The testing is finished, 
and we're going to dog has stopped howling so we should be good <laughs> <laughs> All right. So this week, as is always the case of, of after the regular season, before the tournament, Big 12 uh, uh, honors were dispensed. And just uh, the, the, among the major individual honors, uh, Jalen Wilson from Kansas Player of the Year, Jerome Tang, Kansas State was Coach of the Year. Uh, remind me of the other ones. Uh, was Keontae Johnson Newcomer of the Year? Yep. K.J. Adams, most improved. Dejuan Harris, defensive player of the year. Keontae Johnson, newcomer of the year. Keontae George of Baylor, freshman of the year. And sixth man of the year goes to Sir Jabari Rice at Texas. Okay. I don't have a – and then on the on the first-team all-conference, uh, Jalen Wilson, uh, Marquise Noel, and uh, Keontae Johnson from KU and K-State – um, I, I, I didn't have a quibble really with any of the major individual awards and, um, and, and then the, the all conference team. The only thing I would say is I, Bill Self is effusive with his praise of, of Dewan Harris. And I don't believe he was on the, made any of the, the three teams. Um, I think Grady Dick was on the second team and, uh, and maybe, uh, McCuller, Kevin McCuller was on the third team. So maybe a place for Dewan Harris, but you, you know, you vote on these things. I vote on these things. They're difficult to do, and somebody deserving always, you know, seems to be omitted. But uh, did did you have any major issues with this? Uh, none really. The first team was actually the exact same. Well, yeah, the my first team that I submitted for the media poll was the exact same. I had Jerome Tang as coach of the year. I had uh, Keontae Johnson, Newcomer of the Year, and I had Jalen Wilson, Player of the Year. So they lined up with me exactly on that, so no quibbles at all. I will agree with you. I think Dejuan Harris is probably more deserving than, say, like Kevin McCuller for third-team honors. Um, I, I'm a little surprised a guy like Desi Sills couldn't even get an honorable mention shout-out from the coaches. I mean, yeah, come he's on. Played, he's played so well lately. Yeah, give him give him something. Throw him a bone here. Um, but other than those two things, I would also say, I mean, it's, it's not an important award. I don't think Marquise Noel cares about it, but he, he was to me the most improved player in the conference by a long margin. He wasn't even a full-time starter last year and now he's making, you know, um, you know, he's being nominated for all American awards, national point guard awards. Uh, you know, KJ Adams was, you know, he improved as well, but Marquise Noel went from a pretty average player to one of the best in the entire country. So I think they missed on that, but again, that I don't think that's an award that anybody's crying over. So, no, no big, uh, no big issues there. The the one one thing I really struggled with what to do was uh, two players I really struggled with where to put them were Grady Dick and uh, and Mike Miles because Miles missed so many games. If he's healthy, I think he's an obvious first teamer. I ended up putting him on the second team, and Grady, um, you know, his numbers maybe didn't necessarily shout second team player but he was just so influential for a team that won the league championship i felt he had to be there but i could definitely i wouldn't argue if he dropped him to the third team and moved somebody up like eric stevenson that was maybe the toughest call for me miles was the preseason player of the year in the, in the conference um and i i don't know if i was surprised because i don't know who would have gotten this uh, runner-up vote for player of the year, but Jalen Wilson was unanimous, uh, was a unanimous selection of the of the coaches. Uh, I don't know if he will be that way in the media poll, but I, I'm sure he'll win it. And I think he'll end up being another, uh, the, the next Kansas consensus All-America player 
as well. Of course, they had a, a Baji last year, and and um, and, and now uh, Jalen Wilson a year ago, uh, a year later. So, um, my, my number two vote would have gone to Keontae Johnson. That's who I would have paid. Yeah, I, I, listen, I that's I, I agree. Um, uh, you know his, and maybe if he doesn't go through the mini slump, even, even though Jalen Wilson had had one of those himself uh, this year, he. Jalen Wilson had a stretch where he was like pushing Zach Eady from Purdue for national player of the year, um, you know, including that game at Kansas state where he went for 38 in the loss. Um, but then he, he slowed down. He had a, he was in a terrible shooting slump toward the end. And uh, I, I think it, it'll, it won't cost him an all America spot, but I, he, he was not going to be, uh, I don't think he's going to win any national player of the year awards. So, um, so those are in the books and, Let's um, let let's go to your your field of expertise, Kellis, and that is the Wildcats. Um, any any reason to be a little concerned after what happened Saturday in Morgantown, or um, how did how did Jerome Tang handle that one? You know, I I, I I'm not not concerned about it. Um, I certainly wouldn't hit the panic button for it, um, and I'll give you a few reasons why. For starters, Kansas State had won four straight uh, games going into that mm-hmm. one. They were playing for, you know, what was on the line. Not a whole lot. Um, they were either going to be the two, three, or four seed in the, the Big 12 tournament. Not a huge difference wherever they ended up. Um, and it, it's just hard overall for anybody to win five straight games in this conference. Um, you look through the entire results of the regular season. Kansas did it once when they got on their hot streak. Baylor did it once, uh, and they got to five when they they played, you know, some of the dregs of the conference. And they got OU, Oklahoma State, and Tech all in a row. But other than that, you know, winning three three in a row, four in a row was really all you could get. By the time you got to that fifth game, somebody was, you know, waiting there with boxing gloves to knock you down. And that's kind of what West Virginia was here. Um, West Virginia is really tough at home. Uh, that place was bonkers. I, you could not believe the amount of traffic going up to the stadium on a, on a warm Saturday in Morgantown, West Virginia. It seemed like the whole state came out to that game. Uh, it was the most crowded I've seen any arena this season. Um, and they they back their team on senior day. And West Virginia does a lot of things that Kansas State just doesn't do well. Like they get to the free throw line, they turn teams over, they score at the rim. Those are three things Kansas State has fits with. So to go on the road, especially without Desi Sills, who was not uh, with the team, he was away to attend a family member's funeral. He'll be back for the Big 12 tournament. So you take away one of Kansas State's best players, send him off on the road, in a frenzied environment to play a team that's a bad matchup for them. I didn't think they were going to win that game anyway, even with Sills. So I think he just chalked that up as, you know what, you're not going to go undefeated in the Big 12. You have some off nights. This was one of them. Now reset for the Big 12 tournament. And, uh, you know, it's not going to be easy. <laughs> TCU is a lot like West Virginia. They they play into Kansas State's weaknesses too. So, um, but things will change a little bit here. They get Sills back. They're going to have fan support in Kansas City. They're going to have a lot more to play for. So new season, I, I'm not worried about that West Virginia loss at all. Okay. Um, how about the TCU, uh, uh, the next opponent? Uh, that is a uh, potentially, uh, not potentially, it is a tough matchup for, for anybody, really. TCU can beat anybody in this conference. They went to Allen Fieldhouse and won by 23. So um, we know how good they can be. Uh, and, and we joked about how often, I think it's five out of the last six years, these teams – the, the purple teams of the Big 12 have met in the in the conference tournament. What what do they what what, what K State has to be worried about with the with the Horn Frogs? Well, so TCU, yeah, high end TCU is good enough to win the national championship. I will 
put a flag on that hill. I will I will say that. I don't think that's an, exagger- an exaggeration. When they're healthy and they're playing their best, it's very hard for anybody to beat them. They won at Kansas by 23. When Kansas State went to TCU and they were at full strength, they ran the Wildcats off the floor. They've uh, they 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 did not beat Baylor this season, but they pushed them twice in two games. They beaten Texas um, again when they play their best and they're at full strength. They're really really good. They're the best transition team in the entire country. Mike Miles is great. Um, I guess the only question with them right now is like, where's Eddie Lampkin, their center? He's been in and out, maybe not a hundred percent. And then you look at what Kansas State will do against them when the, when they played. Uh, TCU the second time, they they exacted revenge on them, won by 20-plus in Manhattan, but that was without Mike Miles and Eddie Lampkin played like five minutes. He did nothing. So um, very different circumstances this time around. I mean, I think uh, – I'm not sure who I'm going to pick in the game just yet, but it will really come down to can Kansas State avoid turnovers if uh, if Keontae Johnson doesn't travel – if Marquise Noel doesn't throw some errant passes, if they can keep their turnover number to 15 or below, then I think they probably win this game. If TCU uh, gets in front of some passes and scores in transition and ramps it up to like 20, then I think TCU is going to win this game. So that's really what it comes down to me. You can't let TCU get out in transition and score on you. That's what went wrong with Kansas State in that first game. Um, So, yeah, if Kansas State can take care of the ball – maybe slow this game down a little bit. I think that'll help. Um, anything you can do to keep uh, TCU in the half court, that's what you want to do because they are an abysmal three-point shooting team. It's They're kind of the anti what you see every, everywhere else where, you know, you say, oh, you just hope a, a team can kind of fire away from three-point range and get hot. That's just That team is just never going to do this. If you can force them to make threes, you're going to beat them. This team would much rather be in transition, score at the rim. So, again, that's something that at times Kansas State has struggled with. But if they can take care of the ball, um, they'll have a shot. Okay, and if uh, if Kansas State survives, well, who the winner of K State TCU will take on either Texas, Oklahoma, or Oklahoma State. If I've got my bracket uh, uh, looking at my bracket correctly, and I, I expect Texas to beat either uh, Oklahoma or Oklahoma State, so um, that would be a delicious uh, semi uh, quarter semifinal uh, matchup if Kansas State were to play. Texas, uh, that'd be a lot of fun. Team split during the regular season. It's the only home loss for for K State this year, was it not? Uh, Texas, it, it was their only home loss, and they blew a double digit uh, halftime lead. So not easily done. But I am all for a Kansas State Texas rematch, especially if we get the uh, NBA style version that we saw the first time when it was one sixteen to one hundred three. That would be amazing. That that was an incredible game. Maybe the game of the year in the Big Twelve, just in terms of just pure enjoyment. That was a lot of fun. I, I will say, though, um, Oklahoma has played Texas real tough two times. They lost by two at home, and they took them to overtime on the road. I don't – <laughs> Oklahoma State has owned Oklahoma this season, so you're kind of doing rock, paper, scissors here with how that plays out. But if Oklahoma can win that first game, I wouldn't just automatically write Texas in. Um, that would be a big break for either K-State or TCU, though, if OU could beat Texas because Texas is going to be tough. So much to watch, so much to be interested in. It's it's one of those years where you're, you know, you can't wait for the NCAA tournament to start the following week because Big 12 will be positioned really well uh, in, in, um, in in that event, but cannot overlook Big 12 tournament. It's going to be great. And Kellis, looking forward to working with you this week, and we'll see you in Kansas City. All right, save me a spot in the hockey press box.
That'll do it for today on Sportsbeat KC. Thanks to our producer, Randy Mason, and the Sportsbeat KC staff of Monty Davis, Jeff Rosen, and Scott Chasen. Tip of the cap to Kellis Robinette for sharing his insights. Morning Sports Edition is your destination to all postseason college basketball coverage and everything else in sports. Check out the nation's top digital sports page at liveedition.kansascity.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back soon on Sportsbeat KC, where we talk sports in Kansas City every day.